0: Hey everybody, it's Heather from Cause and Effect. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast these last several months. I've had so much fun recording them for you guys. Um, I wanted to let you know I'm taking some time off in December, so we're going to rerun some of the old episodes during this month. Uh, We'll be back on January 9th. I'll have the nerds with me and we'll have some new episodes. Enjoy your December and we'll see you again in the new year. You can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle. We don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning. Download the app. Give it a try. Cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that. Kick back and get comfy while host Heather Winnig and her co hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective... Explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion. Hello, welcome to <laughs> Cause and Effect. This is Heather and I'm joined on this episode by Tiffany. That's me. Who again, for some reason, I can't get through her five finger countdown. I just like to count down. Without 10. giggling. Well, it's my problem. I'm <laughs> <laughs> it's my problem so i'm glad you guys have all joined us again for another episode of our Mm -hmm. of our podcast we're gonna do a little bit of talking today about school readiness Um, which means heather's gonna preach (laughs) and i'm gonna stand in the back and say preach girl preach (laughs) and tiffany will say encouraging things (laughs) (laughs) no tiffany you can preach too okay Um so let's see. It's it's I mean it really is a soapbox issue for me um because I've seen how it affects early childhood classrooms, this this pressure to have children ready for school. And I Mm -hmm. uh, I am starting to see how it affects teachers in public schools too. It took me a while to get around to that. (laughs) Um but I'm starting to see that too. But I think it's time for early childhood to take the conversation back. Yeah and, and to assert ourselves as the ones who should be deciding what happens. Yeah. Um, which won't happen, I don't think, without a lot of us talking about it and c- sort of getting on the same page and understanding. Everybody needs
1: to get up on that soapbox.
0: Yes, it's a big soapbox. It is. Room. You can sit whole on my lap. The whole profession
1: can fit on it, guys. <laughs> we'll sit on
0: my lap. Uh-huh. It'll be good. It'll be yeah. great. So the quote that I picked for this episode is from a book called A Mandate for Playful Learning, Presenting the Research, which is pretty amazing. Um, Heather adjusted her glasses that. at the end of that one. <laughs> I can tell she likes this book a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a good one. Um, yeah. So anyway, here's the quote. Here's the quote. We'll try it again. <laughs> Emphasis on drilling basic skills to the exclusion of t- attending to thinking, reasoning, problem solving, and emotional and social skills does not serve children well. Period. The end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> end of episode. <laughs> that's all we need to know all we need to say. Yeah. So, um, I just, it's, it's it seems to me such a simple concept mm-hmm. that stuff like problem solving, learning to think, being curious, having some, you know, good social emotional foundations going is so much more important for future success than whether they know their shapes and their numbers and can say the ABCs
1: and tie yeah. their shoots. Yeah.
0: Um, but for some reason it's a hard sell. It is. I don't know why.
1: I think I know why.
0: Okay. I have me. this
1: theory that I've been working on. And it's oh. it's, it's some next level. Are you gonna it's some debut next level nerd theory? right now. I am gonna <laughs> debut my theory right now.
0: I think the phrase you're looking for is next level shit. Oh, were you
1: allowed to say That's,
0: that? Well, I just did.
1: She just said
0: that. We'll just put the little explicit warning
1: <laughs> next to this episode.
0: <laughs> make sure I mention that to Jeff.
1: Oh gosh. Okay. So I have this theory that the philosophy of learning Mm -hmm. that our entire educational system is based on Mm -hmm. is the, I want to say perennial theory Okay. that, uh, at learning's core, you have to learn these basic things in step step by step by step chunks. And that's how learning works. Mm -hmm. and you learn from in in this philosophy of learning there is a teacher who tells you the specific things and then it scaffolds it exactly for the next thing and it's just like bam 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 you gotta know this before you know this before you know this before you know this right which uh is one theory of learning that not sorry philosophy of education Uh uh uh-huh that does not encompass any of the other philosophies of education. Yeah. A la progressivism or yeah.
0: constructivism. Or, or fit the research. Or fit About the how research. any of us learn. And that's yeah. probably what drives me the craziest in this, with this topic is that we have piles and piles and piles and piles of research mm-hmm. that tells us that the way that we're trying to do things is not going to be the effective way to do these things. Yes, and we ignore it yes and act on assumptions instead this um, so I I, I talked uh, on the child care barn Gil- grill podcast several months ago about misusing research for this mm-hmm. purpose and mm-hmm. um, so there's th- there's a big push in the field now to be evidence-based mm-hmm. and make sure that everything you do has that evidence-based tag on it and um, Funders look for that when they're looking to support early childhood programs, and um, it's a marketing tool for some of us. Um, But what we've done is we've looked at a problem, and we identify the problem. Children aren't ready to learn when they get to school, or they're getting to third grade, and they still can't do all the things we think they should be able to do by third grade. Mm -hmm. So first of all...
1: That S word just came out of your mouth, number one.
0: Which S word? Should. Should, yes. Yeah. Well, first of all, we have to look at the, the validity of the problem. Is yeah. this really a problem that we need to be banging our heads against the wall about? And I would venture to say no. Yeah. If, we're, if we're really being honest um, and really looking at you know maybe, maybe this problem that we've identified, children not ready, is not valid. Yeah. And that should be where our direct, where our efforts are going. But we didn't do that. We kept moving past that. Mm-hmm. We identified the problem. But then we made assumptions about what we thought would fix the problem
1: mm-hmm. and
0: looked for things, solutions that had like a research-based tag on it. So I think about um, kindergarten readiness. Well, my assumption is that means they should be able to read. So let me find some product that... Um,
1: Says they'll be able to read. Says they'll
0: teach teach reading and says that they have research, that their product is successful or will be Mm -hmm. successful. Mm -hmm. That's backwards. If we're saying that is a problem, kids aren't ready for school, let's look first at what the research tells us gives them the skills that help you learn. And then let's base our programming on that.
1: Yeah, and let's, instead of getting stuck on this kids not ready for school situation let's look at the school itself why why is is that the consistent message now
0: yeah oh that makes me nuts yeah so and that's you know that's what nacy's position statement is there's ready schools ready children and ready community they Mm -hmm. include all three but um as a profession we're sort of slow to pick up on that Um, plus i think we're letting the customer is always right kind of Yes. Guide us in this. You know, that's what families ask for when they call. So we better start doing it. Yeah. Or we lost three kids this week because their parents want to take them to a real preschool. So we better get some real preschool stuff going on.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't um, do that. Instead of just being able to defend our our positions and our practice. And, yeah. Because the the stuff is there to stand on.
1: Absolutely. And we're <laughs> we're entering this really weird... Well, I think we've been in it for a while, this weird zone where a majority of the parents had nothing but drilling basic skills for their entire educational career. Yeah. And so they don't know anything different. And they don't trust anything different because they haven't lived it before.
0: Yeah. And I want to be clear, and I know that you agree with this too. It's the parents' intentions are good. Oh, yeah. absolutely. They're they're just wanting what's best for their child and they want their child to be ready and to be successful. Um, And they think that's what they should ask for then. I need to, you know, when I was the uh, center director, I would get so many calls that started with, are you just a daycare or do you teach things? And I would immediately get defensive and angry at that poor mom mm-hmm. for asking that question when she doesn't have any other experience that would give her another question to ask. Yeah. So that's part of our role, too, I think, is making the learning that happens in play-based programming visible Yeah. to the people who are looking. Yeah. Plus, I guarantee you, if that mom came in and said, um, I promised him that he could have Mountain Dew with his snack every day. So would you give him Mountain Dew with his snack every afternoon? We would be so outraged. no, yeah. And we would clearly say no. And we could think of all the policies and rules and health information that backed us up, but we don't do it in this one area for some reason.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think some of it comes down to confidence too. Just confidence conf- or confidence. confidence. Oh confidence. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just from the experiences of jobs that I've had, it took me until like this year to say to a parent with confidence, look, I've been teaching preschool for seven years. Sure. I may not know what to do when your child turns nine, <laughs> but I pretty much know how three to five-year-olds work. Right. And I've seen a lot. Yeah. And this I is your first time having a three-year-old. <laughs> like I have experience
0: yeah. here. Yeah. And that takes confidence. It does. And but it's a, and that's a skill. Mm-hmm. So, So again, I don't want to... I guess I don't want to say, come across as saying, um, we're all evil for not, no, definitely not, not, you know, standing up for that, but we need to know that it's okay and that we'll support each other in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you need to, it's a skill. If you're not comfortable with that conversation, you're not going to get comfortable by avoiding it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So practicing it or thinking about ways to help them see the learning that's happening. Yeah. Um, in your playful learning environment.
1: Absolutely. Rather Can I go out on a limb on this one just, a little bit? Yeah. I don't know if Dan Hodgins would agree with me on this one, but I'm going to say it anyway. Sorry, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that as a field, we really strive, and like I've, every teacher does this, you strive uh-huh. to be the best environment for yeah. every child there. You want to be the best thing. You want to be the best fit because you want to love all the children and mm-hmm. you want to be best for them. Right. I think at some, sometimes you need to say, hey, I may not be the best thing for this child, oh, and that's okay. okay. I may not be the best thing for this family, and that's uh-huh. okay. That's their choice to make. Right, um, right. I, I had a family leave me for a more academic preschool recently, and at first I got really upset about it for all of the reasons you just said. Like mm-hmm. I know the research. I've, I've been doing this a long time. I know that our environment is better for your child than the drill and kill (laughs) basic Mm -hmm. skills environment that you are looking for. Yeah. At the same time, you have to trust parents. And you can, you know, you can, as a teacher, give them the information that they need. Right. And if they get the information that they need and they still make a choice, you have to trust them enough to make that Mm -hmm. choice. Mm -hmm. I think that's where I get stuck a lot.
0: Yeah. And I, but I think that goes back to making sure that we don't vilify the parent for one, you know, it's, it's on us as a field that Mm -hmm. we have that kind of diversity for them to choose from. Yeah. That's on us for saying some programs are learning programs and some aren't. Um, and, and accepting that and dividing ourselves into all these little silos (laughs) yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I, no, I wouldn't say that I would blame the family for saying I'm going to go try this academic preschool cause he's got to go to school in a year and I want him to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would take that myself and think, why didn't she, what is it about the way I presented the program yeah. that made her think he needed something different? yeah um and what can I do for the families who are still here to give them some peace of mind yeah, about exactly what what the value of our program is and um and what we're doing to meet the goal that the family has mm-hmm. so this... sometimes that's a conversation, you know what are your goals and their goals are usually that they not be behind or you know they're so we can then match that
1: yeah to what we're doing, yeah
0: um. Rather than telling them what we think they need to know about our program, maybe we need to listen and find Mm -hmm. out what their goal is and then say, "Okay, we do we do that. And sometimes maybe we won't, you know, if their goal is drill and kill and flashcards and and um, reading by four, then I would have to say, yeah, I I don't think I'm going to be able to do that here. Yeah. So you're right. You should take them somewhere
1: else. (laughs) And this circles back to the philosophies of education to me in that I. While I don't adhere to that philosophy of education, mm-hmm. I think that there should be room for it in the system.
0: Okay. What? Like, Tell me more. I, Talk I, more I, about that. <laughs> while I
1: don't agree with drill and skill, uh-huh. academic-based preschools, uh-huh. if as a family, you've done all the research, oh, okay. you've done all the learning, and this is what you think is best, and this uh-huh. is how you think people learn... I want you to have a chance to do that.
0: Gotcha. Okay, I see what you're saying
1: now. <laughs> I uh, thought you know, were
0: telling you to stop advocating.
1: No, I am not telling you to stop advocating at all. I, I was
0: going to say, I think the episode's over.
1: <laughs> we're done. We're this done is the episode somebody. where Heather and Tiffany break up. <laughs> no, I see this like fundamental problem yeah. with our educational system is that there is no room for all of the philosophies. Right now, you have to be one philosophy, Uh and if you're an outlier from that philosophy, you have to work your butt off to defend yourself Uh on what you just believe is how people learn. And it's Uh not a... There are parts of it that aren't truths. There there are big parts of it that are beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I think the only when those are in balance, and when families can actually assess and choose how they think their children learn best, will we be in like a happy, healthy system. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and
0: I think you're right now that, I, now that, now that I listened to you,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had to get it all the way out first. <laughs> I, think,
0: I think you're right. Um, because for some children, maybe that is the, the way that they learn. You know, yeah. Maybe that is what's going to, what they're ready for, but we just can't make that blanket decision yeah. that, that it's not right for anybody. And we, we sort of need to get our egos out of it too. You yeah, know, absolutely. Um, in that case, um, this isn't something personal about me as an individual. This is a system that doesn't fit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I got that.
1: This isn't to say that I believe in academic preschools. We right. I think that they're doing less harm than good. Does that, is, is that they're a doing real less phrase? harm than good. I think they're what? doing more harm than good. Yes, yes, I would agree with because that. Because of research.
0: Right, right. Even, you know, good intention, wrong research, wrong information. Yeah. Yeah. Wrong follow through, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, shoot. I had somewhere I was going with that. I just, I I think that, I guess I don't know. I see, you know, so I just finished um, my bachelor's Mm -hmm. after dropping out
1: 20 years ago. Coming back around, welcome back to the fold. <laughs> Thank you
0: Thank you. Um, and I was astonished at how uh, how this 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 topic was neglected and sometimes outright taught wrong mm. in some of my classes. like mm-hmm. it seems like I, I, play was not mentioned. In Which any is of so sad projects. to me. Right, developmentally appropriate practice was mentioned in one textbook and was misrepresented as a curriculum that was oh. sort of a free for all <laughs> in the textbook, and I was so what? mad. Yeah, yeah, and all of our um, any any time where we had to do like a lesson plan kind of thing for an assignment, it was very academic. It was very much um, getting them ready for this outrageous idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, having to have all these skills that don't eat, aren't even relevant. You know, they're not, there's no, they can't, you can't really make that meaningful for a four-year-old. Yeah. Counting and numbers and shapes, you know, in, yeah. in a rote way. They have yeah. to experience that in a way that's meaningful to them, which is play. Yeah. Um. So that's, that, that drives me a little bit crazy. Yeah, man. So that makes me concerned about, I don't know. Like are we? We're just we're not even training our workforce to come out and be advocates for what?
1: Yeah, is, what it's is like best you have to retrain. Different.
0: Yeah, and unlearn. There's and unlearning unlearned. that has to happen, and then retraining, and sometimes that's difficult. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of our early childhood workforce were trained as elementary teachers. Yeah, that's me. And that's a big difference too. Mm-hmm. So in your LEd coursework did you do much with child development or was it mostly like classroom management and content area
1: all classroom management content yeah. we had one child development class that started even though I have an early childhood elementary that's like the stamp on uh-huh. our license yeah um, we didn't have a single specific early childhood class
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: and all of the development stuff started at six and like you know maybe we'd spend like one day we're gonna do birth to four (laughs) yeah come on man yeah this is the hour
0: we talk about babies yeah
1: (laughs) yeah and even then like I didn't learn about Magda Gerber until (laughs) my friend started working in a baby school like you know even the big important names aren't brought up
0: right hmm hmm Mm, that's a whole different conversation, probably. We a should probably
1: di- just start a college program, right?
0: Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Um, you start, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see how it goes and I'll join in later. All right. Sounds fun. <laughs> Um I just was thinking about, uh, you know, different conversations I've had with preschool teachers, early childhood people. And um, so I've been to several... Over the last, you know, however many years, I've been to several events that are sort of meant to be collaborative between early childhood programs and school teachers, Mm -hmm. and how can we make this transition smooth? And, Mm -hmm. you know, some of them are very good. Um, You know, I went to one where it was sort of set up in stations of developmental area or, or content area, and the kindergarten teachers were there and they would show us what kinds of things they do in their classrooms for that content area. And, and they were very clear at, at one of these, these meetings where they said, we're not saying, take this back and do this with your three-year-olds.
1: Yeah.
0: We're saying this is what we do and, and what can you do? You know, think about what you can do to build the skills they need before
1: that point. Yeah.
0: Which is, you know, more, more palatable for me. Um, You know, so we came back after one of those and sent our uh, four and five-year-old teachers into their classroom to look at the environment and find ways that they're already practicing those skills. So it wasn't like, come back and change everything because of this. But I've also seen preschool teachers, like, basically sit at the feet of the kindergarten teacher and just soak up everything that they said. And sometimes it's not appropriate. Like, I have Mm -hmm. heard a preschool teacher ask a kindergarten teacher, we hear... That you only use glue sticks in kindergarten. Should we only use glue sticks in our preschool classroom so oh that goodness. they know that? Like, and, and that was like, oh, yes, great. I'm so glad I came. This is great. Let's, and that's backwards. Yeah. <laughs> that makes yeah. me nuts. Um, that, that we are not saying oh, you only use glue sticks. All right. Well, we'll make sure they have all the experiences with the other stuff before.
1: Yeah. Before us. all they use is
0: glue sticks. Yeah, It's like, and I think this is a thing that Lisa Murphy says, you know, if we knew a drought was coming, we wouldn't start starving kids. Yeah, We'd make sure they had all the nutrition and food that they needed before the drought came. Yeah, <laughs> And yeah. that's sort of an extreme metaphor, but it's the same thing. We shouldn't withhold things from children because we know they're not going to be able to do it in a year.
1: No, you should then therefore make sure they get to do it a ton.
0: Yeah. 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 So
1: Uh, can I ask more controversial questions? Yeah. Do you see any value to uh, drilling basic skills? Is there, tell us the exception to this. (laughs) Are there any exceptions?
0: Well, I think there are, uh, how do I want to say this? Um there are times when direct instruction is the best method for helping a child learn something. Is that, you know what I mean? Like yeah. sitting down and really going through some information. But yeah. I don't think even in that case it shouldn't be like a whole group. It's because yeah. you've seen that this individual child needs some practice with this individual thing. Yeah. Um whether that's, you know, like when um when my son was in childcare programs, he had no interest whatsoever in any kind of fine motor stuff, mm-hmm. and so they would really try to sit and force him in the art area, or to force <laughs> him to do writing kinds of things or scissor things. And um, he had such a bad attitude <laughs> then about yeah about school because all he had seen was they don't like the way I do it and they don't think I can do it, so why should I try to do it? <laughs> Yeah. Which was kind of his mantra. Oh, poor, poor guy. But he could have that mantra and get good grades still. Oh, so that's helpful. <laughs> so it was helpful. Yeah. But, um,. You know, whereas, so that's an example of where that direct instruction doesn't work because it's mm-hmm. teacher direct, it's adult directed, it's adult driven, it's maybe not in line with developmentally what he what he needed. But if we see, you know, if they were watching him and they saw that he was really trying to write his name or something, mm-hmm. then sit down and do some direct modeling yeah. and writing and helping. Then I think that it's okay. But just to sit and do like flashcard drills or color quizzes and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that there's value in that for a child, you know, before they go to school and, you know, Even when in school. school. Yeah. 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 If we're really getting into it, I don't know that our elementary school practices are such that they're um, in line anymore in line yeah. with the way yeah. children really learn and develop. And that's not a criticism of elementary school teachers. No. It's the system that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And the the way that your your job is, your success is measured. I think is another problem. Yeah. Um,
1: what you, what are things that you learned from drill and kill
0: methods? <laughs> um. Uh, spelling words.
1: Mm.
0: As I was older, I was a spelling bee.
1: Oh, I also did some spelling. Not a bee.
0: champion. Jason Rosencrantz beat me. <gasps> Oh, that Jason Rosencrans. Second to oh. Jason Rosencrans. Oh. Um And I remember sitting, before, you know, the weeks before the spelling bee, we'd we'd work in our little small group and just drill through the blue book of spelling words. Yeah,
1: I, I would sit in the tub and my mom would drill oh. me on them.
0: I loved Did that. Did it help book. me
1: become a better speller? I don't think so. But well,
0: reading it was, it was me We were already worse. good spellers. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. well, we wouldn't have been in that position, mm-hmm. and because we were readers and had good vocabulary, probably. Yep. We had something, we had a shelf in our brain to put those new words on Yep. that, um, you know, maybe someone with less reading or less vocabulary doesn't have that yet. Yep. I'm not, I'm not better than them. I've had different opportunities than them. Yeah. So.
1: I'm pretty um, sure that, I learned my times tables through drill and skill and I would oh, not yeah. have been able to do it otherwise.
0: That's true. You're I, right. I, that's yeah. Multiplication tables. But uh, I don't know if it was meaningful math
1: experience no. for me like no. that's
0: not the math I use much in my real life you don't use your multiplication
1: tables in real life
0: not very much
1: oh interesting hmm. um I did not do any drilling skill for basic addition and subtraction uh-huh. and lo and behold
0: I'm terrible at it but I did do and I'm also terrible <laughs> so we negate each other Our experiences Touché. negate each other uh-
1: I love thinking about exceptions to the rule. That's how I'm on this. Yeah. I think that's like how you grow as a practice is thinking about exceptions to the rule.
0: And that's a big part of research and determining the validity of research is where, where are the, the outliers and the exceptions. Yeah. You know, the other problem with the conversation is there's not really a definition of school readiness. No. If we asked, and I think maybe you and I talked about this, maybe before Mm -hmm. Uncon, and then Mm -hmm. we didn't really do it, but um, sort of gathering, maybe surveying people and finding out, like what do kindergarten teachers define as readiness? What do parents define? What does you know? What do I define? Um, Uh, I
1: sent you that list of. Oh, you did. I asked our kindergarten teachers what what does being ready for kindergarten look like to you? Yeah. And it was all things like well. It'd be great if they actually knew how to wipe their nose instead of just rubbing it all over their face. (laughs) You know, like little things like yeah, like way more heavy on the thinking, reasoning, problem solving, social skills. Basic things like, I'd love it if they could ask me for help when they needed it.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Maybe knowing their name, but even that, they were like, meh.
0: Yeah. And we've had kindergarten teachers tell us, because we do try to develop relationships with the schools and try to be collaborative. And we've had teachers tell us, You know, I can teach them letters, numbers, colors Mm -hmm. if they know how to be part of a group. Yeah. Um, So what we really need you to look at is social skills. But our practice doesn't reflect that sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I may ask a teacher at the next school and they want them to write their name and have their ABCs. And, uh, so much, of, this is going to sound more critical of kindergarten teachers than I want it to. I know it's the expectations placed on them, mm-hmm. but so much of what I hear as a definition of readiness is really what would make my job easier when they come to kindergarten. Yes. If, if they had these skills already, my job would be easier.
1: Yes. We, and we recently had to reassess because we had a few of those accidentally. Uh-huh. like the potty training. Oh yeah. Like you have to be potty trained to come to preschool. And I suddenly yeah. realized I'm doing the same thing that kindergarten teachers are doing with kindergarten oh, readiness. Right. I have preschool readiness standards.
0: Yeah. 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 Lots of programs say, you know, you can't be a three-year-old until you can use the potty successfully. Yeah. Which for, for, for some it's hard because we use up. a public restroom. Sure. But yeah.
1: at the same time, like how am I supposed to be you know, accepting every child that walks through the door yet. Right. Um, not if you yeah. still need to pull up at nap time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and our, so Indiana has a, a state level committee called the Early Learning Advisory Committee, and they do all kinds of good work, and they're really looking at stuff like this. And they developed a readiness definition for the state. Wow. Um, which I've meant to have, and I don't now. How do you feel but about it? It's it's pretty appropriate. I mean, if we're if we're going to have to have a definition of readiness and it's really focused on the kinds of stuff that came from this quote, the problem solving, the the social, emotional, all areas, whole child kind of stuff. But it's not measurable at all.
1: Yeah, like that
0: stuff's not as measurable as ABC's one, two, three's shape recognition. That's so true. Shoe tying. So I think that's a piece of it, too, is that as a school culture, as an educational society in our country right now, <laughs> we're so focused on measuring and proving success by those measurements. Yeah. Um, and that how, that's really yeah. taken over the conversation.
1: Yeah. Yes. This is where it's hard I'm going to plug self-determination theory. Oh, okay. Go. Um, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, except, Part of what makes self determination theory awesome is that there are like ways you can measure intrinsic motivation and mm-hmm. belongingness and all those different yeah aspects along the way. Because yeah. I think measuring is
0: important on
1: a certain level. But you have to know you have to measure the right thing. That's right. what gets me.
0: Right. What and what it has to be all you have to have an effective, valid tool.
1: Yeah, exactly. For measuring and exactly.
0: I think think that a lot of the tests we're using in elementary schools are not effective, valid
1: yeah. systems
0: of measurement. Just
1: looking at Oregon has a kindergarten entrance exam.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: they the whole point is that they oh, they test everybody at the beginning and then they test everybody at the end. Yeah. And it's all, you know, tell me your ABCs. What letter yeah. is this? What letter is that? What yeah. shapes are these? And it it doesn't measure anything in my mind Uh like Uh how is that valid this child that you've never met before doesn't want to tell you their abcs right duh right Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. so then at the end of the year when their trusted teacher is then again asking them their abcs
0: it's much easier to report it out yeah Yeah.
1: look at these great results
0: we're getting (laughs) look at how good we are yeah oh god research (laughs) it can be the greatest thing (laughs) It can be a totally frustrating thing. Yes, indeed. Uh, So let's, okay, let's spend a little bit of time before we close out. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for someone who is thinking about whether they are able to defend and advocate for more appropriate or to fight against and push back these expectations?
1: I do have advice for them. Uh, My advice is... Uh, when you're looking at developmentally appropriate practice, there's like the major four elements of it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to list them right now because I've been trying to remember them, and you'll tell me if I'm wrong. Sure. There's cognitive. Yes. There's literacy.
0: Language and literacy. Language
1: and literacy. (laughs) Thanks. I knew there were two there. Yeah. There's uh, physical. Uh Uh-huh. And there's socio-emotional. Right. Um, So knowing those four and thinking to yourself, Drilling basic skills is barely a fraction of this cognitive development. Yeah. How am I supporting all four of these aspects of developmentally appropriate practice equally because they are all important? Uh Uh-huh. And not letting one of them
0: throw off the balance. Right. So I would say maybe even get a big old piece of flip chart paper, mm-hmm. some nice smelly markers. Uh. <laughs> and and just draw out, you know, a box, four domains with yeah. each, those words in each box. Uh-huh. Look at your environment uh-huh. and just tally how many opportunities in the environment for each of those four. Yeah. And then sit back and observe children in play and tally how many times you see, demonstration of some sort of skill in those four areas. areas.
1: Yeah.
0: And that, that gives you some confidence and some practice in thinking about that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then the next step is, okay, so how do I show this to families now?
1: Yeah.
0: How do I, how do I make this visible? I've got my tally marks. How do I help the families see the learning in all four of these areas in the way we, we do things every day. Yeah. And then the third step down the road would be, okay, so how do I connect that to school success? yeah and it can be done so I think those are the three steps practice thinking about it yourself Mm -hmm. like you just talked about and then look for specific examples of it in the way you already do things Mm -hmm. if you find that there's an imbalance
1: provide more balance balance (laughs) I think you'll be amazed at how suddenly all those behavior problems air quotes yes like oh wow I didn't realize that I wasn't providing any means of physical development in my classroom. And now that I have these, I'm seeing yeah. you know, this
0: relationship between fewer behavior problems. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. And I think you feel less pressure to defend yourself as being a real teacher. Yes. Because you're better able to understand and you're not as challenged by the questions. Yes. That come. So it takes some of that power, some of that defensiveness out of those conversations too. Yeah. Which makes it more effective. All right. This was a good one.
1: It was. Full I had of fun. Controversy. <laughs> we said swear words. Said, oh. I said
0: swear words. You said swear. Said oh, swear words. oh dear. Um, that's the, the measure of a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Did Heather break out the swear words? Yeah, that's our okay. new metric. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll work up a visual for that, too. Yeah. Okay. Well, well for this was me. Great. thank you for talking to me about this. See you again on Cause and Effect.